listeners, um, I'm taking this unusual step of um, pre-recording this little addendum at the beginning of this podcast before you begin, just to let you know that this is a very, very um, tough topic to deal with. And it's, uh, I did a lot of research, and over the years, I've had a lot of experience in it, spiritual warfare. So this is just a small bit of what uh, spiritual warfare really is. And um, I pray that uh, you go beyond this. This is just a small, small area, 2% or whatever percentage it is. It's really small. But I, I also admonish you to listen very carefully, play it over and over again, pray to God to guide you, and that just so you know that uh, this is the war that we are in, the battle we are in, but we know one thing, that the Lord already won the war. We just need to jump on the train and we shall be taken to victory because the victory is ours. So I just want to encourage you and I'll let you know that this is a very tough um, topic. And in the future, I'll do some more uh, small bits at a time. That will help you understand that we are in a battle. And this is not a battle that we have uh, started ourselves. It's a battle that Satan loves to fight and does every day because he wants to have more and more defeats on our side. But we have the victory in Christ. God bless you as you listen in. Hello, prayer friend. Once again, thank you for listening in to our prayer cast from Africa Christ Prayer Ministries, the ministry that reaches out to the busy person, the millennials, the professionals of all fields, and to the underchurched, uh, often unreached people. These podcasts are the ones that help you to develop footsteps with impact in your prayer life. We believe the scripture that says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. We also believe, just like Jesus did and the disciples, Paul and the prophets of old, that our prayers should have impact every time. And so we believe in praying with impact in our ministry. Jesus never prayed a prayer that failed, and he never sent out a command that didn't achieve its intended purpose. He prayed and commanded with words of impact. We are confident that the Bible-based prayer principles that we teach never fail. The Bible says that God's word never comes back to him void. If our prayers are initiated of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, then they will never come back void to us. Please thank you again for listening in. Download this and send it to your friends. We would appreciate if we recommend our prayer cast to your friends. Uh, we would also appreciate if you recommend our app, Afri Christ, to your friends. This app can be downloaded from the Apple App Store and also the Google Play Store. It's the same app for both platforms. It's very well done and it reaches out to people like you. Thank you once again and may God bless you as you're listening. Thank you. Hello fellow believers, new and old. Thank you once again for listening in. You are one of the thousands of listeners and downloaders of our prayer casts in over 36 countries now spanning the globe. We appreciate your partnerships and thank you so, so much for recommending us to others as well. Do not forget to click the subscribe button and encourage others to do the same. This helps us to uh, give you a notice or you to see the notice that we send out when a new podcast is posted. And it also is good for us so we know who is listening in and what countries they are from. Amazingly, Pakistan and Ghana were the downloaders of the month last month, and we are so thankful. So let your country be one of those. Pakistan and uh, Ghana, you are awesome. Thank you, and please recommend others to listen in to the podcast. Maybe you'll keep your crown for another month. Thank you so, so much. Today, we are going to learn about spiritual warfare. This is a term that we use so much in the Christian world or in the spiritual world, but many times, we really don't know what it means. We use it to describe the negative encounter that happens between Satan's forces of evil and believers. It's the encounter between Satan and his agents or demonic forces and humanity. We have to understand, though, that the good spirit world is much bigger and much more powerful, has a wider presence than the evil one. Terms and phrases may not appear in the Bible. But their use is biblical. So this is one of those terms. Jesus, before he left the earth, one of the things that he told us, he says, to go out, cast out 
demons. Devils are real. Demons are real. And they are in the world. And so I understand that uh, um, it can be complicated sometimes. But, you know, if we read the Word of God under the direction of the Holy Spirit, all these things become clear. It's amazing how he opens up the understanding of our spirit as long as we open ourselves to him. So I take this work very seriously. Let me give you an example in Second Kings, Kings chapter 16, verse 14 through 16. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the, of the man of God got up, Early next morning, he went outside, and there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what shall we do now? The young man cried out to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Now see the difference here. The king of Aram had horses and chariots. But when the eyes of this young man were opened in the spirit realm, they also had horses, chariots, but theirs were chariots of fire. That's the difference between us. The enemy may have a few things that look like what we have. They may be powerful, but what we have is actually more powerful than they have. So now Elisha's servant here, this young man now sees they that are around us in the spiritual realm are much more than theirs. And not only that, they are chariots of fire. So they burn. So that's what's going to happen is what we have in the spiritual realm as Christians, as praying people, is much bigger than what they have out there. It doesn't matter what the enemy has against you. God has much more and much more powerful. It burns. Okay. Then let me show you another example of um, understanding the concept of things in the spirit. And this is in First John chapter 4, verse 4. And it says this, But you belong to God, my, ch- my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Even though the term is explicitly not mentioned as spiritual warfare, you can see here that what we are having is a much more powerful spirit within us. What we have is greater than he who lives in the world. So it doesn't matter what people have against you. It could be on the job. It could be anywhere. Just remember one thing. The same spirit that rose Jesus Christ is the same spirit that is in you and is much more powerful. You know, so when we use this term spiritual warfare, God is saying that there's a spirit in you who is powerful, who is the Holy Spirit of God. Sometimes we hear terms like the Beatitudes. That word is not in the Bible per se. But the concept and the principles are the Beatitudes is a compilation of eight principles of blessings. You know, they are derived from Jesus' teachings, also known as the uh, Sermon on the Mount. So in a similar manner, we draw and learn about spiritual warfare from principles established in the Bible teachings of um, things that happen, of scenarios, even just straight teaching. And so what happens is we draw up and call these things certain terms. Do not be misled or misguided by just the terms that we use. Read the Word of God. You're going to see that what you're doing is biblical. I've met some people say, oh, that's not in the Bible. You know, so I just go tell them, show me the word Beatitudes uh, in the Bible. That's not what Jesus called them. He just said, blessed are the poor because, blessed are the meek because. Those were principles he was teaching. That's what we call the Sermon on the Mount. So in spiritual warfare, you're going to meet some terms. Yes, some of them may not be as meaningful as they should be, but don't be dissuaded. This thing is real. Now, one thing I want you also to understand is not to confuse spiritual warfare with religious warfare. Religious warfare, that's when uh, there's conflict between people of different religions or beliefs. That's not the same thing. So you could have Hindus fighting Christians, Christians fighting Hindus, Hindus fighting Muslims. That is religious warfare. But 
Spiritual warfare is what I have just explained. That's when things in the spiritual realm are happening. The devil has his own, but as we've seen, what we have from God is much more powerful. Okay. So now one of the other things that we have to address in this area also is the failure to understand the seriousness and uh, and the reality of spiritual warfare. There are three things, at least, that I've thought about, but there could be more. You could have some more. You know, God may reveal some others to you. But to me, I've seen these three things as some of the uh, reasons why people do not take spiritual warfare seriously. Number one, why we lose or neglect, even dismiss the battles in the spiritual realm. Why? Why do we do that? Fantasizing, thinking, oh, this is just a fantasy. It doesn't happen. But it's not so. And so what? this is one of the reasons why spiritual reality of warfare is not understood by many people, even within the church. Now, the other one is the failure of those who believe you know, in the spiritual realm, transfer it into the natural. In other words, like that young man who was working with the prophet Elisha, he didn't know how to transfer it. He didn't know it existed. And so when he saw all these people surrounding him, he cried out to his master, what are we going to do? They're going to kill us. But because Elisha sees deep into the spiritual realm and he knows how to transfer that, he told him that, look, they that are around us are greater than they that are in the world, okay? And God demonstrated it. He prayed a short prayer. By the way, you notice that Elisha just prayed short prayer. That's what I call praying with impact. He prayed with impact, and immediately the eyes of the young man were opened. So there's that thing where believers don't know how to transfer or um, to use or to apply the spiritual things that they have learned and convert it into the natural realm to help them fight into this battle. Now, the other thing is we should know the enemy and understand him, but we should never, ever underestimate him. Now, in one sense, they are underestimating what he could do, but in the other sense, they are overestimating what he's doing, that that's the end of them. But if you understand the power behind you is greater than the task ahead of you, then this overwhelming force that comes against you will not blind you and it will not overcome you. Because as we have seen, he who is in us is greater than he who is out there in the world. And we're going to use the guidance that we get from the Lord and understand the power that we that is behind us and also have faith in that overwhelming supernatural power that God provides us to do that in, in to apply that okay the young man did not know what to do the young man said what are we going to do his eyes were opened their eyes were blinded and Elisha took control of them go and read that scripture it's very short just go back to that scripture and you're going to see that Elisha applied and Elisha believed in the supernatural power behind the scenes that the young man could not see. And that's what we're going to concentrate on on the scriptures that I'm going to give you. However, before that, I want to read you um, a short but powerful missionary observation. This is from the book called The Handbook of Spiritual Warfare, you know, published in 1992 written by Dr. Ed Murphy. This book is very powerful for spiritual warfare, for those who want to learn more about it, who go deep into it and understand it. What I'm going to do is I am going to quote something that he wrote in there that really uh, got, uh, caught my eyes when I was reviewing this. He is basically talking about uh, the spiritual realm and how in this world, because of our world view of things, our culture does affect the way we look at spiritual warfare. Say, for example, the Western culture versus the cultures of other cultures of the world and the way they transfer this information that they have in the spiritual realm into the natural realm. So in his book, Ed Murphy writes this at the very beginning, at the introduction, he says, while much is being written in our day about spiritual warfare, the church is still basically ignorant of the world, of the spirit world. That ignorance is most pronounced in Western world but it exists in non-Western world also. Africans, Asians, Latin Americans, and the inhabitants of Oceania know intuitively the reality of the spirit world. They know invisible spiritual beings, both good and evil, continually interact with human beings. 
they strive to maintain the right balance of relationship with the spirits to avoid harm by the evil spirits, to gain help from the good spirits. What happens to their worldview when they become Christians? It becomes confused. That confusion has at least a dual source. First, Western missionaries, though looked upon as experts about things spiritual, are primarily ignorant of the activity of the spirits. Second, their national church leaders were trained in their ministry by missionaries ignorant of the spirit world. I was such a missionary. The unfortunate result worldwide is that in general, our churches are filled with believers who are hurting through the activity of evil spirits. Many are spirit-filled believers by anyone's definition of the term, yet war rages inside of them and around them. Often areas of their lives are in bondage to feelings, to thoughts and practices not compatible with their Christian faith. So here you can see he's saying this, in short, that the people of Africa, Asia, Latin America, and Oceania, they basically understand that there are two worlds. There's a spirit world of good and spirit world of evil. The problem is they cannot practically translate it to the natural world. Why? Because in being converted to Christianity, many were taught by the same people who did not understand the spiritual realm. And so what happens is they are carrying on the teachings or the ways that they were taught of the Western uh, missionaries who did not actually understand the spiritual realm. So now they have a confused view. They don't know what to do. In fact, I know for sure a lot of people in those countries or in those areas of the world sometimes confuse or mix uh, their spiritual realm that they knew before with the Christian spiritual realm. And the thing is, because for them previously, they knew that there were bad spirits and good spirits. The only thing is they didn't know who the good spirits were or the bad spirits were. So the witch doctor comes, he starts his own business or religion where he says he's in control of both. So if he's controlling both, then you have to come to him, to this priest. He is the one who's going to tell you what to do good and at the same time do harm to other people. And so what's going to happen is he has full control of you. So we have these people, these priests, and we think that they are all powerful when actually for them, they just know a little more than you do. But I'll tell you one thing, they can never use the good to overcome the bad because even Jesus told us that a house divided uh, against itself, it cannot stand. So if they're doing evil to other people, they cannot do good. So now the key is to understand that we have the power, the ability to understand the spiritual realm and use that spiritual realm to fight our battles because God told us that battle is not ours, it's his. And if it's his, all we have to know is understand, have the eyes of our understanding opened so that we can see that the soldiers that we have, the fighters that we have, the angels what we have are much more powerful than what the enemy may have around us, as we have seen in that scripture. Now, I want to show you a scripture. I want to read a scripture that we all know. And it will show you that you cannot fight these battles. You cannot fight these battles, spiritual battles, using conventional ways and means. That's why that early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him, he arrived at the camp just as the Israelites' army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelites and the Philistine forces stood facing each other. Army against army, David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward for anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is the pagan Philistine anyway? 
that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother Eliab uh, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you are supposed to, to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. Let me tell you, when you get challenged by the enemy, people will say, I know about your pride. You're just proud. You can't do anything. You can't fight this. You can't win. Satan will taunt you through people. Satan will taunt you even through your mind. The spirit of Goliath will taunt you. Who are you? Come and get me. You can't do this. Your job. You're going to lose your job. Your wife. You're going to lose your wife, your kids, your husband, whatever it is. You're going to lose. See what has happened. This is the spirit of Goliath. He is long dead, but his spirit lives. His spirit is the one that's taunting you. Do not buckle down. Okay, so now David's brothers were the ones, you know, telling him. They were adding to the taunts of Goliath. So let's go on. Uh, verse 29 says, what have I done now? David replied, I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Okay, now I want you to understand this. You notice that David walked away from his own brothers because they were not helping him. They were putting him down. Listen, sometimes your own, your own family, your own parents, your own children, your own pastor, your own brethren, they are the ones who are going to tell you can't do this. It's impossible. But let me tell you something. Walk away. Walk away. Go and get another opinion from somebody else until you get the mighty opinion of the Holy Spirit, until it sinks in your spirit. So this is what David did. So verse 32 goes on to say, Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Can you imagine this little David is telling the king, Don't worry about this Philistine. Where did his boldness come from? Remember the scripture in the Bible, in the New Testament, when uh, in the book of Acts, they were talking to, about Peter. These were unlearned and ignorant men, but they perceived that they had been with Jesus. So these men, the disciples, they knew who they were because they had been with Jesus. David knew who he was. He goes to the king of all people and says, don't worry. Can you imagine a 17-year-old coming to you saying, don't worry? And you have these men trained in war. They are all running around digging you know, um, uh, rabbit holes to hide in. Well, this is David because he knew who he was. He knew, And he's going to tell us how he got this boldness, similar to what the uh, disciples did. So verse 32 again says, don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy. He's a big man of war since he's, he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. Persistence. In spiritual warfare, you have to persist. Verse 34 says, but David persisted. You have to be persistent. You have to stand firm. Once you know who you are, once you know the power within you is greater than that is in the world, once you know that they that are with you are more than those that are in the world, and their chariots are chariots of fire, then you know one thing you should say. Be like David. Verse 34 continues to say, but David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Okay, I have done this both to lions and bears. I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Let's stop right there for a minute. Listen, when the devil comes to steal from you, to take away your joy, to take away what God has given you, to take away your job, to take away your child, you have to go after that lion. And if it turns to you, which it will, 
When you stand in the gap, the word, the Greek word for standing in the gap is paga. It's standing in the gap so that when that person is being attacked, you are the one who receives the attack because you are well prepared in prayer. And so what happens is you have to be ready. Because he says here, when a lion or bear comes to steal the lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb. You have to rescue your children. You have to rescue your job. Instead of saying, if the animal turns to, to me, say, if the enemy turns on me, I catch him by the jaw and club him to death. You are able to get that enemy and club him. You are able to get rid of the demons because Jesus says, Go ye into the world and cast them out. Okay? And he says, I have done this to both lions and bears. You know, a bear is huge. And a lion is powerful. So in him, he knows. It doesn't matter what this Philistine has fought. I have fought the big ones. I have fought the mammals of the wild. Okay? The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion... And the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Okay, now listen to that. Who does he say will rescue him? The Lord. Because the, the Bible says that he says the battle is not yours, but his. So the Lord will rescue you. All he wants is for you to face the enemy. When chase the enemy, cast out the demons. And if he turns on you, Use the club. What is our club? The word of God. Use the word of God to club him on the head. Okay? And the devil will leave you alone. Believe me. So, let's continue with our reading. Saul finally consented. All right. Go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it is like. For he had never worn such a thing before. I can't go in this, he protested to Saul. I am not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five small stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's stuff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. That is one of the most important things you will know in this lesson. Remember I told you about, we are going to learn about the application. Okay, now David tried on what was prepared for Saul. Let me tell you, when you're doing spiritual battles, do not use conventional weapons. This was conventional warfare. Okay, but David knew this was a spiritual thing first because remember he said, My Lord will rescue me. God is spirit, and they that worship him worship him in spirit. So we know that God is spirit, he's not gonna wear an armor. So he says, No, I'm not used to this. People will tell you, You have to do it this way, you have to pray this way, you have to stand this way, you have to do the other, whatever. People become methodical, the Holy Spirit is unconventional. And so that's what you have to do. Listen to him. Jesus said that he never does anything except he sees his father do. And here in this we have learned that he said, my God will rescue me. So David is going to go there and see what God does. He's going to see in the spiritual realm. So you know what he did? He went to what God created. He went to a stream. He got five rocks. Those are God made. You go into the word of God and get your God-made rocks. We know the rock of ages. Get to the rock who stands higher than any other rock and he will help you. We know who the rock is. Jesus Christ. Go be with Jesus. Like those disciples. Remember they said they were unlearned men. They were ignorant men. But they had been with Jesus. David went to and got five rocks. Okay, Jesus, the rock of ages. Guess what? He used only one rock. Remember? Remember? That's the rock of ages. So then, verse 41, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared to David, at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. But listen what he said. I'll give your flesh to the wild animals. He forgets that David had dealt with big, powerful, wild 
animals before. And so he's trying to scare him. People will scare you with even the word of God. Okay, what is your God going to do? You pray, 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 pray. But you know what? You know that your God is able. So that's what David did. And he tries to, he's trying to mock God. You're coming to me with a stick? Let me tell you, the word of God is powerful. He wrote the 20th, in the 23rd Psalm, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is what David meant. He forgot that this club that is mocking is the comfort of David. Then David replied, verse 45, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Remember, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. He said that my Lord will rescue me. When you go into this spiritual battle, remember one thing. It's not your battle. It's the Lord's. All he wants you to do is be obedient to his instructions at every time. Do not use what people say. You do this or you do the other. I'm not saying don't get counsel, but I'm saying that listen to the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit may speak through counsel of somebody, your pastor or, or somebody else. Another believer, listen to that counsel. And if it's of the Lord, that's what you go with because God will be there waiting on you to fight this battle. Verse 46, today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut your head off. Listen to this. He said, the Lord will conquer you. Remember, they had told him that he's proud. His brother told him he was proud, but he is not because here he's giving glory to God. The boy is saying that the Lord will conquer you. He didn't say, I will conquer you. No, he says, the Lord will conquer you and I'll cut your head off. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. He will give you to us. Remember, this battle is not yours, my friend. This is the Lord's battle. People may come to you. They may be rich. They may have every resource humans can have. They, you know, I hear, you know, it's like having these dictators who brag with their guns and their stuff. They beat up on people. But, you know, we've seen dictatorships fall from. Uh, from words of young people going in the streets doing stuff. Why? Because they are depending on the Lord. When you depend on the Lord, you only use his word. Okay? It's the Lord's battle. When there is oppression of any kind, spiritual or otherwise, it's the Lord's battle. Once you give the glory to God, he will fight. You are not the one who will conquer Goliath. He will. But you cut off Goliath's head. That's what David says. The Goliath could be anything, any spiritual thing. Just learn to translate the spiritual into the natural. Verse 48 says, As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sunk in. Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. He had no sword. Then David ran over and put Goliath's sword from the sheath and David used it to kill and cut off his head. Look at this. This is one of the most powerful in this story. He says, David triumphed over the Philistine. Remember the Bible had said earlier that our Lord will conquer you. He conquered him. He told him, use that stone. The stone only brought him down. He did not have a sword. Remember, he made fun of him that you only come to me with a, a club. But he forgot that this club is just for the comfort of this young man to give him the boldness to go before him. Sometimes your enemy will have the sword. Sometime your enemy will have the gun. Someone may be trying to hold you up and they have the gun. Guess what? God will make it that that same gun that he's bragging about using against you to take your wallet, to take your money, to take your life, to take your uh, people's lives, that same gun will not shoot. It will be turned around to get him. Ah, my friend, God is powerful. Once God gets him down, once God gives you a word to bring down the enemy, he's also going to tell you, use this. You know, people may write things against you at work and God is going to use those same, that as their te your testimony. Okay, I've seen that. 
where the the things that they tried to write against me turned around to be the ones that convicted them. Okay, so it does work. David used it to kill and cut off his head. He used Goliath's own sword because he came with no sword you may go to court and you have nothing you don't have the money you don't have the lawyers you have a court appointed lawyer you have someone who you feel like cannot represent you or you may just be by yourself but god is going to use the same paperwork that they brought into the courtroom to uh, to use against you he's gonna the judge is gonna look and say well how about here and he's gonna use it to convict them so i'm telling you Goliath is killable. The enemy, the issues that you have are killable. Just trust God, okay? Learn how to translate and transfer the spiritual into the practical realm. And it, it is believing God that he's the one who is going to do it. It is having faith in he who is able to do it, okay? Now, let me read you one last story about the unconventional methods of God that he will use for you. I'll do it real quickly because of time, but I'm hoping you're enjoying and being blessed by this. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible about conquering with unconventional weapons. This is King Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles verse, uh, chapter 20, and I'm going to start reading for you um, verse 1 again but this one will be shorter so be uh, bear with me because it's going to help you in your life okay i'm going to start right now after this the armies of the moabites ammonites and some uh, uh, some of the Mennonites declared war on jehoshaphat messengers came told jehoshaphat a vast army from edom from edom is marching against you beyond the dead sea they are already at hazazon tamar this was another another name for Engedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Now see, uh, one, you see how this man understood the spiritual realm? He went to God. Instead of going to his generals, he went to God and he begged him for guidance. You know, instead of going to those people around you for guidance, go to God first. So you know that those who guide you, if they are going to give you an advice, they are giving you godly advice. Okay. So now he says, and then he told everybody to go fasting. He didn't explain nothing about fasting. Just say fast. Okay. He knew that this battle was in the spiritual realm. Verse four. So the people from the towns of from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. You see what they did? They knew that our help is spiritual, not on the ground. Okay, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard of the temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord, our God of God of our ancestors, you alone are the God of this who is in heaven. You are ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. You are a powerful and mighty God. No one can stand against you, O our Lord. Did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land over to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with a calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we are to come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us. Rescue us, O God. Now, verse 10. And now... See what the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of, our, of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We, we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. We are looking for your help. Let me tell you, seek God. Sometimes you may not know what to do. Be humble enough to say, God, I am, I, I am well educated. I know all this stuff. I am a doctor. I am an accountant. I am whatever, but I can't understand this battle. And you know, I'm coming to you for help. 
That's what the children of Israel did. That's what this king did. Instead of going to his generals and saying, do this, do this planning. He knew these people were trained in war. So this is the time to go to the mighty warrior. Okay, to the mighty warrior and ask him for help. Ask him for guidance. And that's what this man of God did. This is what this believer did. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. Sometimes, you know, things are going to happen to you, my friend, and you won't know what to do. Sickness may hit you, and you don't know what to do. Uh, the money may be scarce. Children are doing this. Children are going this way and the other. Children are doing stuff you can't understand, and you don't know what to do. Go to God. Okay, verse 13 says, As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives and children, the spirit, ah, this is it, the spiritual realm. These men and women and families knew how to tap into the spiritual realm. Some fasted, then they went to the temple and they asked God because they said they humbled themselves, themselves and said, I don't know what to do. So the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Beniah, son of Jael, son of Metaniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. So you see. This person was no stranger. This is someone they knew. They knew his lineage. And he came and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Then he said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Remember, don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but whose? But God's. See the same thing here? He says, do not be afraid, just as we saw in David. David told Saul, do not be afraid, for the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. And this man, is, uh, this man upon whom the Spirit of God came said the same thing. Do not be afraid, for the battle is not yours. And then he tells him, tomorrow march out against them. You will find them camping, uh, coming up from uh, the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. All people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or disguise. Go against them. Tomorrow, the Lord is with you. Remember in the New Testament, let's stop right there for a minute. In the New Testament, God say, uh, Jesus says that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll send the Holy Spirit to be with you. That spirit, as we have seen, he's inside of us, is greater than he who is out there. And these people knew and understood this, that this is the spiritual realm. We have to transfer the power from the spiritual realm. We have to transfer the spiritual bullets into the, the, the natural guns, okay, that we have. Then verse 18 says, Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low on his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same. Um, Worshipping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Korah and Korah stood to praise the Lord. Early in the, morning, the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Hey, listen to me. Now he's listening from the Lord. They, remember they went to God? Sometimes the answer may take time. You have to go to the battleground for God to give you the revelation, okay? So verse 20, On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me. All you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you'll be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you'll succeed. Remember early, uh, at the beginning of the lesson I told you that we have to trust to have that faith that God is able. He stopped them. He encouraged them. Verse 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Now, before I go on, listen. This is unconventional. You go to war and you put your church choir in front. You, you go to pray against the sickness and disease. You start singing to God. You start praising him. Sometimes that's what it takes, okay? This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At that very moment, the moment they began to sing and give praise to the Lord, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. 
Armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After this, they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy escaped. Listen, they did not fight. They sang unto the Lord. They didn't even see the fight taking place. Sometimes those things are going to happen. You will not see the fight taking place. Keep praising God. Sing songs unto him. Praise him for his goodness. That's what they were doing here. And you know what? Those people started to fight. I have seen it where my enemies start arguing among themselves, start breaking apart. It's going to happen. It can happen anywhere. People may be saying, we're going to get rid of him. We're going to put him in jail. We're going to do this and the other. We're going to kick him out of this country or the other. We're going to do whatever. And God will cause them to fight among themselves. And you'll be on the side looking at this. And when you get there, you'll say, oh, no, you aren't going, on, you aren't going anywhere. You are supposed to stay here because this is the ground that I gave you. That's what the children of Israel were. These people wanted to uh, to kick them out. They, 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 they wanted to deport them from the land that God had given them, from the place that God said, this is where you're going to live. They wanted to deport them. But instead, you know what happened? They started fighting among each other and they killed each other. Listen, people will use the ink pen that they are trying to use against you to write edicts against each other, to fight against one another. Let's finish this, okay? King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found a vast amount of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered at the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because of the people because the people praised and thanked uh, the lord there it is still called the valley of blessing today my friend let me tell you when things come against you be like jehoshaphat say to god i don't know what to do when they come against you when they say you're going to be fired when they say they're going to kick you out of your house when they say they're going to kick you out of that this country or the other just say god i don't know what to do and you know what god is going to do he will turn that place into a place of blessing again for you. Okay? It will be a place of blessing. Don't give up. The spiritual realm is real, but you can transfer the power of the spiritual realm into the natural. Read these stories again. Let them encourage you and you see what God does for you. Thank you once again. I know this has been a little long, but you know, it's so powerful. I just had to do it. The Lord said someone out there needs this. Someone in Pakistan, someone in Ghana, someone in, uh, in India, someone in Bangladesh have downloads from all those places. They're going to need this. They're going to listen to this and say, that's for me. Someone, oh, another place that's really good for us is Namibia. Someone in Namibia may need this. Someone in Nigeria may need this. And they say, you know what? I thought I was losing out. Someone in uh, Uganda may need this. Someone in Kenya may need this. We are downloaded in all those places. God has been good because our teaching is real. Our teaching helps people to pray with impact. So my friends, pray with impact. You saw how King Jehoshaphat prayed with impact and he won. He sent an army of praying of 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 uh, praying people to the temple. Then he sent an army of singing people to the battlefield. That's the unconventional way. You cannot fight God's battles with conventional weapons. So now let's go before God and pray that he may direct us and direct you um, so that you may understand his instructions when, he calls, uh, when you call upon him. And uh, he gives you instructions on how to, uh, to proceed with any situation, especially those situations that may be extremely difficult, the Goliath situations in your life. The uh, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20, like King Jehoshaphat faced when he faced this mounting army which he could not deal with, or the situation where the uh, uh, servant of Elisha looked around and there were all these soldiers coming around, you know, surrounding them. But when his eyes were opened in the spirit realm, he realized that God had more soldiers for them. 
on chariots that were chariots of fire. So now let us pray for your situation that God may help you to understand this. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, thanking you for your goodness, mercy, and love, Lord. I thank you, Father, that the people have taken time to listen to this episode of this podcast, Lord. It doesn't matter what country they are in, what place they are in, Father. I ask you, Lord, that you may lead and guide them by your spirit in their situation. Help them to overcome the fears that come that the enemy brings around when we are faced with such uh, difficult situations. Clear their mind that they may see. Open the eyes of their understanding, the spiritual eyes, that they may see that those that are with us are much more powerful and greater than those that are around us. Father, whatever situation it may be, I ask you, Father, that you may give them the strength, the wisdom, Lord. If they do need a lawyer, give them the best of the best, Father. If they need a physician, a doctor, let them get the best of the best. If they need a counselor of any sort, whether it's a... um, Uh, a spiritual counselor, any kind of counsel in any situation, Father, I ask you, Father, that you give them the best of the best and that you may lead and guide and direct those counselors and those helpers, Father, that uh, your people will see that these unconventional ways that you may set before them are from you. Holy Spirit, show them, guide them, lead them, let them be confident that you are with them. Father, let them see that the uh, power behind them, that the power of the Spirit inside of them is much greater than the battle that's ahead of them. Be with them, guide them, show them, Lord. I ask you, Father, that the same way you've showed me so many different things, Lord, the many times that you've defended me, the many times that you have protected me and my family, Father, I pray in the same way, Father, you provide for them, Lord. They may not have much, they may not be qualified according to man, but Father, you qualify them, Lord. Father, whatever it is that they need, I ask you that they see that these unconventional ways are spiritual ways. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and your love and your guidance. And I pray, Father, that they learn to pray with impact because you are a God of impact. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. This is how it works. Thank you again. God bless you. And I know you will be blessed. Amen.